And hello everyone and welcome to episode 24 of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I am your host Kyle and all this as always I'm joined by my wonderful co-host JR. But uh today we are not alone uh joining us uh, making his second appearance on the podcast. We're joined by our wonderful friend uh, who you know who was on our episode talking to me about Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Teddy. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. Good, It's good having you, uh, Teddy. I'm, I'm glad you asked uh, to be on this. It, it was kind of a last-minute thing. <laughs> you were just kind of like, oh, uh, uh, I want to join for the banana splits. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... As I was telling you before, um, you know, my fa- my father was obsessed with the banana splits growing up, and he really kind of, like, introduced me to it. So when I found out that there was going to be a horror movie about it, I was like, oh, my God, please, yes. And, like, I knew, I knew like, the basic premise of it was, like, it was originally supposed to be Five Nights at Freddy's, and the IP got pulled at the last minute. Yeah, that's what I was. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. Like, uh, far as like interesting things around it was that it's supposedly rumored to be based on an unused, rejected Friday night, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's uh, script. I mean, it. If you look at it realistically, it fits everything that Five Nights at Freddy's does. It, it does, with the exception of like one being on a studio lot versus like a Chuck E. Cheese type place. Yeah. And Jerry, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great as we're recording on the very last day of February, February 28th. And these, as we say every week, 2021 is flying by. We'll be, um, we'll be in March in a few hours for you and three hours for me. And so, um, it's great to be back as we cover a very interesting film, as we mentioned, the Banana Splits movie. Uh, as I selected this film um, based off the idea of one of the movies that we had talked about a couple about a couple weeks ago, a month ago, when we were setting our schedule, a movie that came out not too long ago that you were excited about. I know you've seen what with Nicolas Cage was Williams Wonderland. So when we we're setting our schedule, thinking down the road of you know for March, April, May, June, I always had I had in the back of my mind we eventually would do Williams Wonderland before the end of the year, but because there's some similarities between Willy's Wonderland and this movie, which I got the inspiration for us to review it from uh, another great creator, um, James A. Janice from Dead Meat, was to do Banana Splits movie as kind of like, let's do an homage to Willy's Wonderland doing this first, and then once Willy's Wonderland is more readily available for people to 
either rent for lower cost or to purchase at a lower cost than what it is currently right now, like on Voodoo or Amazon, then we would do it then. So I thought this would be a good movie to review in the meantime. Yeah, and I'm uh I'm very happy you you chose this because uh, this is the first time I watched it was last night and I had an absolute blast watching this film. I mean I I, I loved it and you know uh like I said before like uh you said uh, this we got this inspiration because we wanted to do Willy's Wonderland at some point uh I I, I saw Willy's Wonderland I I enjoyed it but. I gotta say, this movie is what I had hoped Willy's Wonderland would have been. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen Willy Wonderland yet. Um, you know, I only can go off of the the you know the trailer I've seen. What kind of caught me with this movie is that it this movie was, from what I could tell, it wasn't it wasn't distributed into the major motion pictures. It was released. And it had uh, was basically all its money through DVD or Blu-ray or streaming. Um, I believe. I don't think. I mean, I didn't see anything that was as far as getting out to. Um, went to direct to direct to streaming through Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on August 12, 2019, and then on Blu-ray on August 27, 2019, and then it aired on Sci-Fi on October 12, 2019. So it didn't have anything as far as getting released to the major motion pictures. But as soon as I saw it, I mean, from the very first instant, the first picture, I just like, man, I thought it had very good production value for a film that didn't have a major motion picture release. Because a lot of times, especially when you see things made for like made for TV, um, I, like I think of movies like one like um, like Sharknado or Mega Fault, like those ones made for sci-fi. I'm like, they just have really just really crappy production value, really bad CGI, things of that nature. But with this one, I just was really impressed by the look of the film, the, the aesthetic of it. Um, and I and I really enjoyed the characters of it. You know, one of the things is, and I know we're kind of basically just jumping to going, going straight into it, but, you know, the, one of the main characters is a kid. And it never fails any time we get in a movie with a kid. I, I think of the TV show, uh, the Strain that was directed by Guillermo del Toro about vampires. There was a kid, the little kid in that movie, in that TV show. He just drove me crazy. Like every single episode, I just was like, dude, like this kid's going to end up dead or they're going to kill him or they're going to feed him to a lion or something because he drives everybody crazy. And I was like, the kids in this, in this, you know, in this movie, the banana splits movie, I thought they were great. You know, they had good roles. Yeah, I liked I liked everybody in this movie. Honestly, well, I mean, with the exception of the fucking stepdad, but uh like I I didn't think the acting was bad in any way. I will say I did fucking hate the kid. Um just because like I'm not a fan of like people who become like so obsessed with something it becomes their personality. And I I felt like that kid full on went like E breathes and sleeps banana fucking splits like he had like I, I swear to god this kid was about to drop like professor oak level facts about this show on uh, on like everybody who was like listening <laughs> like the little girl who's there she clearly was not interested about the banana splits at first and like he's saying all these facts to her and she's like uh-huh sure yeah uh-huh it's like he I don't just want to kept speak going for, on and on. 
<laughs> I don't want to speak for Kyle, but I think for me, it's a little bit more normalized as being a wrestling fan and dealing with the internet wrestling community. It's just like, you know, oh, did you know this? And just, you know, they start compounding on top of each other and just the constant, like, they're live, breathe, and sleeps, you know, professional wrestling. So for me, seeing a, a kid obsessed with, you know, the banana, with banana splits, it was like, it just seemed more normal because I've, Kyle, I know Kyle and I, we deal with this every single day being admins and mods of wrestling groups and then being on Twitter. Um, but I do see what you're saying because another analogy I would give is in the movie, remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. And um, I, I'm always mess up her name, but a very young Hayden Pantieri. Um, yeah. Was she was, you know, she's a son of, um, of the coach and, She's in the stands with the daughter of the other coach, Coach Boone's daughter. She knows nothing about football. She knows nothing about – she always cares about playing with dolls. And Hayden's character just loves football. She's trying to explain to her, like, hey, you know, this school, high school, has, you know, the third best running team in the state or something like that. And then the little girl looks at her and is just like, I don't care. Like, because she's that obsessed with football and the other one's not. And I kind of can see, you know, as we're getting to – as they get into the studio, like you could tell that little girl like really doesn't care about banana splits. And I think eventually she kind of succumbs to it yeah, throughout she, the show. But she started to get interested when they were doing that, like uh that 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 PG version of Global Guts there where they were walking on the slippery uh the little slippery path or whatever. She was getting into it then and like at the end, like she was pretty badass though. Like I may not have like the kid because he was just like I don't know super obsessed with the banana splits and in 2019 that's kind of weird considering that's an old like 70s thing um, but like she was badass she was like you guys you guys go I'll hold them back she like squared up on uh, squared up on um, god what's his name the elephant uh uh Snorky. 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 Yeah, yeah. She squared up on him and I was just like, damn girl. She's like, you know, fucking I'll beat this. I'll beat this elephant's ass. I ain't afraid. She's out here picking locks and shit when they, they freaking locked him in the cage or whatever. That was great. I was just like, damn, dude, someone taught this girl how to survive. Yeah. And like, honestly, like these, these kids didn't seem to show any kind of fear. Like these animatronics are slaughtering fucking people, and they just kind of don't really—they're not scared. They're not acting like actual kids. These these kids really adapted really well in that situation. They live in a world where Five Nights at Freddy's exists, so I'm sure <laughs> the banana splits ain't gonna scare them no more. Yeah, uh, my the my favorite thing about my one of the, my favorite things in this movie was towards the end. Whenever the, the kid, uh, so this was say like, like the kid, I, I can't remember his name half the time, but uh, it's like Hayden or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, Hayden. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he uh, uh, he turns to the he turn he turns to, uh, to his brother. Uh, I think it's to his brother, and he said, "Yeah, the, the, this show is not like what I expected it to be." <laughs> yeah, I love that because I like at the end I was like, he's gonna be like, you know what? I fucking hate the banana splits. I've been like, yeah, that's that's kind of a mood. The mom though, the mom was like badass. Like at first, oh, yeah. she was kind of like a doormat because, like you know, when you're in an abusive relationship like that, 
like you know you, yeah you know you feel you feel bad but then like like when she got called on it by like the older brother like she dead ass turned like they flipped that switch she went mama mode she's like y'all ain't taking my fucking kid she like fucking grabbed that wrench she's like fucking wailing on them with it it was great yeah, the char- the 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 characters in this movie is really great. Like uh, like I said before, like I, I liked every one of them, uh, with the exception of the stepdad. But but still, that still shows how good the movie uh, did because I, you're supposed to not like the stepdad. It, it was weird. It was like as soon as I saw him, I didn't like him, and the fact that he kept like trying to hide his phone, I was I was like, uh, okay, there's something going on there. Uh, he's definitely not calling into work or checking work email like he claims to be oh yeah anytime like hollywood has this trope and it's the number one telltale sign that somebody's cheating is they have to go to work at random points in time so i was like yeah he's he's definitely cheating on her but she got him back though she knocked his ass out at the end of the movie that oh, was yeah. great and he's like i want to make things work and she like fucking wailed on him she's like i want a divorce <laughs> and, uh, and, uh i love uh, the little bait and switch they did at the beginning with the older brother because at first i was like okay his older brother's looking through the sock drawer and getting money he's still in money it's like oh man what's what's his deal and then you find out he just did it to try and to try and help his little brother meet the uh um uh, uh, uh to try and help his uh, younger brother meet the banana splits later on oh, at the end of the movie i i do think he took money because like he wanted to get high because the uh he is get he does get called a burnout yeah yeah um but i think like he realized the more important thing was his brother meeting the yeah which which to me like i i I, he was the best character in the movie. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I have at first I saw him and I'm like he he seems like a less like uh, expressive version of uh, the kid who played in Hereditary. I was gonna I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, but then like I was like no he's actually really good. I looked up uh, like some of the stuff he was in and he's only been in like four things. And I was like, you know, he did a really good job in this movie for not having much like acting experience. Yeah, he he uh, yeah, he did really good. And honestly, I also did started to get like hereditary vibes there. And I even had to look up and make sure it wasn't the same the same dude at one point. But uh, yeah, he he did really good. And like, I love like uh, because at first well, I was I was kind of iffy about him, but then he turned into like one of my favorite characters. I just love the fact that he's just a a big brother wanting to make his little brother happy. I loved, I loved his pickup line though. It's like, I'm sorry. I said that cause I wanted it to sound smooth. <laughs> and then, then he turned around and he looked at her and it was like, Oh, it totally worked. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's smooth. That's that, that, uh, that's how you turn like an awkward moment into a smooth moment. You use that. Yeah. Awkward- to your advantage yeah yeah he was smooth but uh before we get into the review just a couple of news things go over real quick uh so for those who uh, didn't know already uh it's been announced it was announced a couple days ago there is a twisted metal tv show in the works uh 
I gotta say I'm cautiously optimistic about it, but also can't help to be a little bit excited. Uh, I was a big fan of the Twisted Metal t- uh, series, and uh, I played all the games when I was a kid. And I don't know. I think if they, if you put put it in the right the right uh, people's hands and give it enough time, I think you could maybe pull something off pretty good here with a TV series, especially if you did like an episode like diving into every character's like backstories and stuff. Because there's a lot of unique characters throughout Twisted Metal and everything. It's it's a real fun series. So. Uh, I'm like I said I'm 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 optimistic but I'm I'm a little bit excited about the possibility of that happening. How about you, Jr? I mean it's tough because easily for was it I mean t- over twenty years we've made video games into movies. I think we had just talked about I think it was last week the new Mortal Kombat you know movie coming out, and I think a lot of people. That's a, you know, all this finally you're gonna have you know a, a better story or it's gonna be this or that, you know, like more combat. The way I said more combat is it it doesn't have a story, you know, it's it's a the it's a tournament, and with Twisted Metal from what I remember because I had the game on the original PlayStation in 1999, um, or 2000 whenever it was, it was just all I remember just a card game that you just blow shit up. So to figure it's going to come in, it's going to be made into a a um, into a TV show or it's I just it's not that it's not impossible. It's just you wonder like what's the possibility? And I'll give you like another comparison. It's like when like we're going to make Battleship into a movie with Liam Neeson and um, whoever else was in that movie, and it was just it like was so fucking bad. It's like why? Like it's not it's not made to be a movie. Like it's a game, and that's what Twisted Metal. It's like be made to a, ima- what's ima- it? Imagine if they tried to do like Monopoly. <laughs> I mean, we we live in American society, so we see Monopoly every day. Also, I do believe that like shoots and ladders Street was the thing. Oh my god, I'm pretty sure Robot Chicken actually made a joke about them like doing Battleship as a movie. And how like Hasbro was jumping in on trying to turn some of their other board games, and I think they specifically mentioned shoots and letters, and it was like filmed in a um like Starsky and Hutch kind of way, like yeah. one of them was named Shoots, the other one was named Ladders, and it was like a crime drama. It's just, um, you know, like you look back and if it has a story, like Resident Evil has a story, Tomb Raider has a story, like. You know, I, I completely see it be made into a movie or even a TV show. It's not a problem. It's just it's still, it's just it's rough. Like I don't I don't know what the premise would be. I think you're you're adding things based on a based on a gameplay. It'd be like you know, there was another game I remember playing. I think it was called Burnout, and it was like a racing car game, and it was a really cool racing car game because you could like literally just like crash and you'd be fine and i was, was literally the only racing game i was good at but it's like it, how could this be made into a game and that's why i see with twisted metal it's like you got some badass cars that they blow shit up and attack everybody um you know where are you gonna go from that so i i don't know it's, it's just tough because it's just like why don't you you could make anything you want why why would you base it on like kind of pigeonhole yourself say it's gonna be based on this game I, and the only thing I can think of is just it's more of a for-profit because if the game has a following, people are going to be like, oh, I remember playing that game 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, let me check this movie out. Versus if it was just called, you know, Twisted Cars or something. 
I mean, they, they I don't expect much from Hollywood because they put Aaron Paul in a Need for Speed movie. So, like, yeah. the fact that they even made a Need for Speed movie kind of makes me question them. And, like, I get they're trying to ride the success of, like, putting more video game movies, like, out there that may be more, like, um, original to the source. But, like, that's not what people liked about Detective Pikachu. That's not what people liked about Sonic, which are literally the pinnacle of what video game movies should be. So, like, I... I feel like there are characters in there that don't need backstory, so I'm not, I, I don't know, like, if it comes out, I might, like, watch it to say I watched it, but, like, I I don't have a lot of, like, high opinions for it. Uh, the Mortal Kombat trailer does look sick, though. Oh, yeah. I, I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Mortal Kombat. Uh, I agree uh, 100% with your statement, uh, Teddy, about the Sonic and... Detective Pikachu movie. Uh, I went in those films not expecting much, you know, because it's, you know, obviously it's uh, uh, obviously because of what they are and our history of films like that. But holy shit, those movies are great. Yeah, I like, loved Sonic thought, and loved Detective Pikachu. <laughs> everybody thought it was going to be absolutely shit because of the animation style. And, like, you know, the fact that they had to completely go back and redo the designs, I didn't have really much hope for it. Plus, Jim Carrey kind of fell off, like, prior to that. Like, his prior movie, like, before that were, like, serious, like, movies or, like, Mr. Popper's Penguins. You know, like, the, the I want to say the error of, at that point in time, Jim Carrey comedy kind of fell off the way Adam Sandler did. You know, people liked Adam Sandler movies back in the day, and then he fell off, and then he started making Jack and Jill, you know. So, like, I went into it not having the most, and, like, I was like, wow, this is actually really good. They put a lot of attention to detail in it. Like, that's 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 fine, but the more you try to do that with other franchises, the less that movies like detective pikachu which you know ryan got or uh ryan uh reynolds absolutely like carried that movie um him as pikachu was was a fantastic casting although it was not the perfect casting because denny devito was not chosen um but like you you have these movies and like the more you like kind of push them out there for that reason the the reasons that they're gonna flop like, look at the Power Rangers movie. Um, I personally thought it was a good movie, but you could definitely tell it was kind of like a cash grab at, like, Hashpro taking over. And it just it didn't sit well because it didn't have that attention to detail. Yeah, 100% agreed with you there. I also, uh, uh, I also am one of the fans of the Power Rangers movie. Uh to, uh, uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, this isn't really any like uh, any news as far as like uh, any movies or TV shows being announced or anything, but this is more of a, a just a little pat on the back to the Slash and Cast podcast network as a whole. Uh, here yesterday, uh, me and JR attended a, a Zoom meeting that the podcast network had. And we were told the great news of that the podcast, uh, the Slashcast podcast network as a whole has uh, gotten uh, has gotten over uh, over a million listens 
all together across all the shows and that's just an amazing feat for me especially for a, a network that hasn't even been out a year and you know just bravo to to all the shows on the network and just everybody just keep doing great and uh, uh, uh one of the things i want to do starting on this episode is uh, i just want to just tell everybody to to give a listen to one of the shows on the network each week and uh, the, uh since uh they were on the zoom meeting with us and i talked a little bit and uh, uh i just want to give a shout out and tell people to check out the uh, Apocalypse in Review podcast. Uh, they just recently dropped an episode on Repo, the genet- gen- genetic opera. Uh, highly recommend checking that out. Uh, for those who have never listened to the Apocalypse in Review podcast, they're basically a podcast that just literally just reviews movies devoted to the Apocalypse. Uh, 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 they, they, they review movies uh, that are based on uh, apocalyptic events and stuff like that. And it, it, it's a really neat concept, I thought. And uh, just check them out when you can. And just once again, bravo to the Slashing Cast Podcast Network for getting over a million listens. Yeah, it was it was great to be part of the pot, the, the Zooming yesterday. I got a chance to see some old friends like Cece uh, from the Scream Queens and our friends Andy, Andy and um, Brian from Dead in Santa Carla. And, you know, one of the things about it, a lot of people don't don't know this, and I had said it in in our Zoom meeting, and I said it online in our in our private discussions we have, is when the whole concept of trick or treaters came together. I know you had been asking for for a while. Hey, I kind of want to do a podcast. Kind of want to do a podcast, and you know during the last year, obviously as we say for at least once a week, is because of the pandemic and having downtime. I kind of was needing something to devote some time to, to keep my mind sharp, you know, being stuck at home all day is in in a lot, in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot worse that could happen. Obviously, you know, people who are, you know, sick and dying from the pandemic, but there's also something to be said for mental health and having something to look forward to every week, um, such as what we do, we've been doing since we started, you know, it's really a positive, but I'm also a very private person. Like I don't, I don't want to like really open myself up to people that I really don't know I, as much as of my, as much as I am an extrovert, like online, but when I talk to people, I'm especially in person, I'm very introverted. And so for a long time, since we started, you were the one who was going out into the slashing cast network and meeting with people and being on other shows. And I was just like, Hey, do your thing. Like, you know, I'm glad you represent us. And that's, I've always told people, I always felt that you were the heart and soul of, of our podcast because uh, you always represented us where I was, you know, doing my own thing. And as we started bringing in guests, you know, whether it was Andy or Brian or, or, um, and then I got a chance to be on screen planes and I got a chance to be on Dennis Santa Carla. Then last week we had Jesse on when we did Jennifer's body. It really kind of, allowed me to open myself up more to more people and then when I got a chance to meet everybody and then see like there are just a lot of genuine good people who are part of it and not just some fly by night you know individuals who because they have an iPhone or a Galaxy and a pair of headphones they think that they're a podcast and they're going to talk about you know whatever they want and think they're going to give views and are trying to make you know thousands of dollars doing it and that's not what we do and that's what not any of us do. We're all in this because we really are passionate about horror, 
um, or about a specific topic, because I know we also got like true crime in, in it. We also have wrestling podcasts in the Slashing Cast Network. And it just was really cool to see. And then, you know, to hear that we have a million plus views over the network, um, it's awesome. And then, you know, a lot of people, they just want to help each other. It's like, what can we do to build other people up? Because there's some that some podcasts that are bigger than ours. Um, and then, um, you know, there may be there may be one that's smaller than ours. And it's just like, what can we do? And I, it was either Andy, I think it was Andy, but it may have been Brian, but I know it was one of our boys in Santa Carla. They said, you know, if we get 10,000, excuse me, if we get 10% increase in our viewers, that's cool. But, you know, if we get 10% overall across our entire network, that's awesome. And I did the numbers. It's just like, let's say, let's say dead and, you know, dead in Santa Carla, they got, um, they get 100,000 listens a week. They get 10% increase. Well, that's 10,000 more viewers. That's awesome. But if we somehow increase, you know, we get a million viewers, excuse me, a million listeners, and then that's a 10% increase, that's 100,000 people a week additional on top of that. And I just thought that was really cool to be out there. And, and I'm glad you brought up Apocalypse in Review because after we got done, they were the first ones who, like, you know, I told them, I said, I'm trying to build my platform after completely shutting down my wrestling part and now I want to build back up in horror um, because I felt this is the direction I want to be in because I've met a lot of cool people. And I, I turned them, I tuned into them. I looked up an, ep an old episode they had uh, for wa the movie Waterworld with Dustin Hoffman and uh, Kevin Costner. And within six minutes, they were just talking. They hadn't even got to the movie review. I was already like, these are, you know, good people. And I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, if you ever do a movie and I throw a movie out, the, the Eric Eckhart and Hilary Swank and Stanley Tucci film, The Core, which is about, you know, a potential apocalyptic um, cash offing event. I said, I would be so, you know, interested in come down and they loved it. And so I think, you know, not, not right now in the immediate future, but when they plan on it, I probably would be a guest on their show. And I, you know, I even reached out to, uh, uh, the what's it the CLS uh the Crystal Lake help me out um a, a, a Crystal Lake Soldiers podcast a good yes, friend of mine I, I'd say it's a good friend of mine yes and I saw that they're doing they live um in April I believe and as you know I'm you know both of us are wrestling fans and I love Roddy Piper and that film and it's directed by John Carpenter so I reached out to them to see if I could come on there so it, it's really um I feel like you know, you've already helped expand expansion. I want to help expand and, you know, as well. And, uh, it just was awesome. And I know I've already talked too much about it, but, um, man, just, if you, if, if you enjoy us, you're going to enjoy plenty of other people. And this one that you spotlight apocalypse review, like I said, within six minutes, I definitely enjoyed them and I highly recommend their podcast. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you can find all the shows that we talked about and every show on our network at the brand new slashingcast.network, not slashingcast.net or slashingcast.com, slashingcast.network. And click on that, and you can find all our shows. And all right, so now uh, that's, that's just uh, – that's all the news I really wanted to go over uh, for this episode. So, uh, without further ado, we're gonna get uh, get into the film. Uh, like I said before, we're talking about 2019's The Banana Splits movie. Carmen hit the trailer. Tra -la -la, la -la -la -la. Tra 
to the banana splits. <gasps> Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the banana splits? Yeah! Rebecca, Rebecca. Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hi, kids. Put on your ha happiest faces because the Banana Split Show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Dad, please! Let me out! Now the show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fuzzy son of a... I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect. We're gonna have so much fun! So, alright, uh, the Banana Splits movie was released on July 8, 18th, uh, 2019, and it was released internationally at San Diego Comic-Con uh, on, on, on that day. And uh, it was directed by now. You may need to help me out, Jr. I may, but I, I don't want to butcher the name. Tanishka Esterhazy. Did, did I say that right? That's about as good as I would have given it. Uh, yeah, it's like Danishka Esterhazy, and it's D A N I S H K A. Then last name E S T. E R H A Z Y. Desh, so Danishka Esther Hazy is what I would probably would have went with. Yeah, and it was okay. So the the script was written by by Jed Alanif and Scott Thomas. This movie is based on the Banana Splits uh, TV show by the uh, by Hanna Barbera Productions. It stars Danny Kine, Steve Lund, Selena Martin. Sarah Canning, R R Romeo Carreri, uh, and M M Maria Nash has a runtime of 89 minutes. I mean, is you know, it goes by quick too. It, this movie has, has really good, really good pace, and it uh, it doesn't really drag along a lot. Like uh, there's uh, not many times in the movie where I'm kind of like, okay, I wish they'd hurry up this this certain scene. I, I enjoyed pretty much uh, every minute of this of this film. But, uh, I wanted it to be longer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just I enjoyed the movie that much. I wanted it to keep going. Exactly. I wanted to see more kills from them. Not not that there were too low kills. Just I enjoyed watching them kill and be like sadistic as fuck. So <laughs> that's why I was just like, oh, it's not short or it's not long enough for me because I could probably watch that for hours. Yeah. Yeah. This movie definitely needed to be. Uh longer for sure and i'm i'm really hoping that we may get a sequel who knows give us that sequel i'm just saying like nope. you can't you can't give me like like that that cliffhanger without like giving me an actual <laughs> sequel <laughs> but yeah uh so go uh i, I guess you are good and let's get in the review yeah, so uh, real quick, as you mentioned, this is based off the um, nineteen, the late sixties uh, 
TV show, The the Banana Splits. It was made by Hanna-Barbera. Real quick, for those who are not familiar with Hanna-Barbera, they, they are most famously um, remembered for creating the Flintstones, as well as Yogi Bear, uh, Top Cat, Jetsons. Um, they've, done, they've done Scooby-Doo. They've done Harley, Harlem Globetrotters. They've done Josie and the Pussycats. They've done so many um, different uh, animated cartoons, but they're most famous for um, creating the Flintstones. And so just wanted to throw that out there if you were, for those who are unfamiliar with Hanna-Barbera um, coming out from the 60s. And then this film, like I said, it was the reason why they used it, and we said this earlier, was because of a, a dropped um, deal that was supposed to be uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, which, honest, honest to God, I'm not familiar with Five Nights at Freddy's. I under, I know of it, but I've never seen anything about it. I don't, I don't know if it's a TV show. I don't know if it's a video game. I've seen all kinds of things about it. I've seen like you know collectible items at Target. So it's a, it's um, a video game series. Okay, no, I think there's I, like five of them that I know of. Yeah, I think my nephew plays it. I'm not sure then. I he you know I only play one video game and it's football because I suck at video games. So. Um, <laughs> I play Madden every year for like the last three years, and that's it. I don't know why. That's when people ask me, like, are you going to PS5? Um, maybe. I don't know. I only play one game. It's not worth paying like $500 for another game for you. Anyway, yeah. that's not the reason why we're here. We're here to talk about um, as I go off into my tangents. As I normally do. Also, okay, I get back uh, on track. Uh, also, besides it being uh, based off of an unused for Five Nights at Freddy's script, that's the rumor for it. This is also is the first ever horror film that is based off of a kids' TV show. Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things as we get into as we get into this film, the review view. Like we've, I have never seen it. My personally, a horror film. This may sound bad where I go with this. That's like has this many kids inside of a horror film. Like, you know, obviously we had like Child's Play, um, we've had like Pet Cemetery, but I, um, you know, mentioned Hereditary. Um, I just never, I, for me personally, like, I don't, I don't remember seeing with, I mean, there was at least 20, 30 kids in this film, it seemed like. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think I, uh, I, I've seen another film that had had as many kids in this uh, you know as this one did there was definitely a lot of kids in this yeah it's so usually, it's usually like like one group of like kids in the entire movie like the stranger things group or like the et group stuff like that it's usually not like uh to 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 give a, a point of reference this is literally an entire audience filled with kids so that was like yes. the, the, the massive likeness of how many kids were actually there, which is honestly surprising. Um, I I I liked it though because like it it fit in real well, like with the storyline that all those kids were there. They weren't just like background characters shooed in. Absolutely yes. So um, we start off with they're inside of a, a house, and the main child is Harley Williams. He's a huge, massive fanatic of the banana splits, and he actually scares his mother um, because he is dressed in a Snorky, uh, who Snorky is an elephant. He's one of the four animatronic animals who are part of the banana splits TV show, and he um, scares her to w- and wakes her up. 
and it's his birthday. And for his birthday, um, he's given uh, by his mother and his father, Mitch, who is um, the horrible stepfather to the biggest older brother. Yes. He, um, he's one of those guy. guys. He's one of those guys who is a complete just dick. He's very just self uh, self-absorbed in self and what he does. And, and it's weird because you would think that, um, as I mentioned, Harley has an older brother named Austin and you, um, and that's his, that's Beth's her biological son, but that Mitch is a stepdad. You would think that, um, Mitch basically is the stepfather for both these children for how much he's not involved in Harley's like dealing with Harley. He's just absorbed in his own like self bubble. Yeah, dude, he's a fucking shitbag to Austin and to Harley. It means shitbag to his stepson and his biological son. The first, like the first made uh, major thing that made me like, I already knew going into it that like he was a douche because like, I guess you had mentioned it while you were watching it, and Cece remembered. So she was yeah, like, I totally, "Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah." Kyle, Kyle says like the stepdad's a douchebag or something like that. But like the the main moment that kind of really confirmed it for me is when they're sitting around the table like for breakfast or whatever, and the mom was getting ready to say that she bought the tickets for them to go to see the banana splits, and mm-hmm. the fucking father completely swept in there. Oh, and like stole my. the fucking thunder by like saying it like it was his idea. I God, was like, if I him. were her, I would have beat the living shit out of him. Or like, whenever uh, Austin goes to get uh, money uh, out of the drawer, and then he, he goes, he goes, he goes. You know, Austin, if you need money, you can just you can tell me, and I'll give you money anytime. And he goes, okay, Mitch, can I borrow twenty dollars? No. Well, he okay. doesn't just say no. He like he like sarcastically laughs. laughs yeah. yeah, he like mocks them. Like no, it's like the fuck you say that for then, bitch. Don't yeah. say you know me. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when I turned this movie on, like the first few minutes, I I, I literally tweeted watching the minute of splits movie, and I already hate the stepdad. Fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's so, such, he's such a douchebag. <laughs> um, so they. They go off to um, to head to the showing of the Banana Splits uh, record uh, live taping, and it's at Taft Studios, which um, coincidentally it's actually based off where um, original was created was was Taft Broadcasting. So it's kind of an homage to where the original show was produced. So in the movies Taft Studios, but in when Hanna Barbera did it, it was at Taft Broadcasting. So just just quick tidbit. As they get there, they get, they're met by security guard Sal, who tells them directions where to go. As they're lining to get into um, to get into the live taping, the audience crowd, um, we also are introduced to Paige, who's the um, hostess of the show, as well as her assistant Doug. Um, we page. also say it again. Paige the page. That's what that's what they call her. Because she's like the pager, she's the one who like tracks down all the uh, the actors and whatnot to make oh, sure yeah. they're in their spots. And um, did we also meet? This was the weirdest thing because it for me because it was a fan couple who like on social media known as Thad. Their, their names were Thad and Poppy. Every time Poppy said Thad, I thought she kept calling him Dad. 
And I was like, this doesn't like, this is like the weirdest thing. Like, like this is what her boyfriend. Why is she calling him dad? Like, it's the weirdest thing to me. And then I had to look it up. It's like, oh, she was saying dad. But I, I don't know if it's the way she was saying it or if it was the way I was hearing it. But I just kept hearing like dad over and over again. Um, some people, some people call their boyfriends dads or daddies. I mean, don't kink shame. Hey, it is what it is. It was just was it was just weird. Like it kept throwing me off the whole time. Um, we also meet a very young performer, uh, aspiring young performer named Parker, and her overzealous father Jonathan, who was like obsessed with getting his daughter into a TV show. It's like you're gonna be a star. We're gonna put you in. Um, she he was even talking about how I think um, she was playing with her hair. And so that, you know, don't mess with your hair guy. I already spend $70 to get it blown out. It was just yeah, super extra. Yeah, just, yeah, he's one of those, he's one of those parents like you see, uh, like on the TV. dance moms. Yeah, all the dance moms or the, or the, the pageant moms who are just like, you you can tell that this kid isn't, this isn't what the kid wants to do. So don't fucking force your kid to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah, I think she was... though she she does though like kind of fit into the role because like when yeah. everybody's all like you know oh we survived this nightmare ordeal she goes to her mom looks up to her and she goes can I get acting lessons <laughs> yeah but uh, I will say though that uh, uh, when we when we first meet them when we first meet Thad uh, we mo- we first meet Thad and Poppy uh, I, 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 I I I didn't like them at first because you know I was like oh what the hell are they here to do? I thought they were just there to, you know, to cause trouble. But then when I realized that they're just legitimately just two super fans who are like wanting to really get in the behind the scenes and stuff, it, it, it made me like kind of, uh, it, it made me, uh, it, it made me kind of feel for them because I, because, uh, uh, it reminded me of me, of how I am, like, like, uh, how I was last year whenever I visited, uh, the film and location of Friday 13th part seven, a new blood. I just had my phone out and was going crazy and was, uh, you know, pointing out stuff just like they were doing the movie. So, uh, so I was like, okay, now I'm starting to feel for these people. I honestly thought like, um, when they were starting to take away the phones or whatever, uh, when she hid her phone and he was like, do your parents watch your, watch your story? And she goes, yeah, why? I thought legitimately he was going to try to live stream them having sex on set. Because usually when somebody says something like that, it's usually something crass or like something dirty like that. But like it was actually cute. So like I I, I didn't hate them as much because I related to them, like you said. Um, that was me at Blizzard when I went because uh, I had of a friend who works IT for them and he got me a tour of Blizzard Studios and that was literally me every five seconds was like taking pictures everywhere that I was allowed to take pictures at so like I understood them but like I I caught that at first and I'm like that sounds dirtier than they uh, may have intended for yeah I'm I'm not gonna lie Um, for me when I heard it I thought that he was gonna like end up proposing to her um which i don't know why um i don't know why i thought that but it always seems because they were super fans like typically 
you know, I've seen it with like, we've seen it with baseball or football or even wrestling or just like, you know, we've seen like these marriage proposals in, you know, a fanatic event. So I, I did think that there was going to be a marriage proposal because she want, he wanted her family to see it. But when you said that though, it makes complete sense because it's out there. It's true. Like there's stuff like that always happens. See, I feel bad now because you would think that would be my first thought considering I proposed to Cece at Disney in front of a crap ton of people. So, like, you would think that would be my line of thinking, but no, I had to go perv brain on that one. But but at the same time, though, like, I'm thinking more wholesome when it's like, well, this is a radar film. Like, they probably, like, I think the only reason why I didn't think that way um, is because it's, like, a kid show. But I wouldn't think, like at a kid's show that there would be, but also at the same time, like, who knows, because there's also a thing, you know, if you want to go down that road, like, I know there's a thing called, like, uh, furries, isn't there? Furries? I think that's what it's called. So, like, it's it's not out of the realm, you know, that it is possible. Who was the the famous, the famous guy who's, who, who dressed up as a furry with his daughter? Was it, um, was it Kevin Smith? I know, oh, no, oh yeah, Violent J. That's what Violent J from, from ICP, ICP has a has a juggalo fur suit uh, to support his daughter being a furry, which yeah. I don't understand it personally, but I don't knock people who are into it. I just kind of make fun of when there are the select furries that do what it's called yiffing. Um, but like you know. Uh, I, I think it's if if it's a hobby you're into, it's no different than me who builds Gundam model kits. You know, it's just a hobby. So I like, have no idea of... why no Violent J does that with his daughter, and I I am tremor what TV show I want to say it was like Dexter. I think like I think Masuka and Dexter was involved with something like that. I could be completely wrong though, but I know it was like in a TV show. I saw something about it. I didn't know what furries were for the longest time until my like roommate literally introduced me to what furries were, and I was like, okay, that's neat, I guess. <laughs> it may have also <laughs> been um, the TV show Scorpion, because I, I know it's the TV shows I watched. I just can't remember which one, but I want Masuka because he was a pervert and was yeah, a sex fiend, and Dexter. That, I want to say it makes sense. That would be something Masuka would be into, or like he'd be like. They, he would be the type of character because he is so dirty that people would assume he's in the, being a furry because like he makes all those crass sex jokes. Yes. But then he'd be like, no, nah, I'm not a furry. I'm not a degenerate or something like that. So um, so those are the main characters. So we have uh, Harley. We have the um, his mom, Beth, the dickhead father, uh, stepfather, Mitch, his uh, older brother, Austin. But also, actually, I did forget. He also brought his castmate, um her name was Zoe. So that's who a part of his party. We met um, Paige, her assistant Doug, Dad, and his girlfriend Poppy, as well as Jonathan and um, his daughter Parker. Yeah. As far as like getting into the show, as then the security guard in the beginning. And the uh, sh- a, 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 a shout out to Zoe's mom. Uh, Zoe's mom for you know stepping up and being one of those parents that's like you know all the, the this kid doesn't have any any other friends. He invited you, and you're going to go. See, at that part, kind of like, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that because, like, 
I don't, like a kid should want to interact with another kid, and I know okay, sometimes yeah, I it you. takes like like an icebreaker of some sort like that for them to become like kind of friends. But like at the same time, it felt like a pity thing. And I don't know. I didn't feel bad for this kid. Like he was weird because he liked banana splits. Yeah, sure. And like he would talk about it nonstop. But like I don't know. I didn't think like it warranted him like not having friends or whatever. Like I know his friend, his his main friend was sick. But like you know, it was like a pity thing to me, and I, it it just rubbed me the wrong way. But I did like her mom though. Her mom was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, pretty candid and like Zoe Zoe is my second favorite character in this. Yeah, game. yeah, Zoe turned into a really good character throughout the film. If you fucking square up on uh, on a giant robotic creature that you think is going to kill you as like a 9-year-old kid, you've got you've got like, you know, cojones in my in my opinion. It's like uh Richie when he grabs the bat and it just like fucking he's like now nah, i'm gonna have to whip this clown's ass and i'm like i respect you for that richie i respect you for that you gotta handle your business it doesn't matter if you're a kid yeah yeah i love uh, uh, that's like one of my favorite parts in it whenever richie is like uh and now i'm gonna murder this fucking clown <laughs> he's way better than original richie and that saying stuff because it's you know seth green so as they're getting into the studio and sitting down, we also run into the show's producer. Her, her name is Rebecca, and she runs into the new vice president of programming, Andy. Andy tells, even though Banana Splits is one of the highest rated segments on the network, um, he tells her that the network's going in a different direction, and they're cl- shutting down at the end of this episode. It's over and done with. They're moving on. And she's taken aback by the news. But they still have the show to do. As the show goes on, um, we also meet Stevie, who is essentially a – I'm trying to think of the correct word – a just a horrible actor that nobody likes because he's the only human in the show Banana Splits, essentially. Um, he's And nobody likes him. He's acting like a pain in the ass. Um, because no one likes him, he knows that. I, I'm pretty sure he shows that no one likes him. And we even get to a point where um, the show's going on. Stevie leaves when it's time to get dressed to a new costume, and he's like just pounding down drinks as is in between the show. And when he comes back out for the the end of the the end of the show, you could just see in his eyes like he's just completely just drunk, and even looks like he's. Um, just stoned because you could just see his eyes you know he was like sweating his eyes like bloodshot it just does not look good so like writing aside of like the whole uh, situation with him like as like an outside observer if you're like a parent there how do you not see that man and know that that man is sloshed as fuck because like he was like singing with them he was like cutting in front of them like on the show playing the music and stuff like he was gone like how did none of those parents notice that i know it it looks bad he looks like he's like he's um his hair is fucked up detoxing he looks like he's like detoxing from like a like a cocaine bender or something yeah he looks fucking terrible sweating way too much how come uh Harley, the banana splits expert didn't fucking realize you know hey they're not doing the thing i've been seeing on tv 
I mean, he did. He did. He did that with the with um the the elephant. I keep drawing a damn blank on his name. We just Snarky. said it. Snorky. Yeah. Um. He was like, wait a minute, Snorky. Like, you know, he's like at first, like the beginning scene when you're introduced to a lot of the characters, like, you know, Snorky's driving a car and like stops right in front of like Harley and almost hits him. Yeah. He's like, oh, Snorky won't hurt me and stuff like that. And then he's like, where's Snorky? Like, you know, like this uh, uh, this isn't like how he is or whatever. Yeah. Um, like when um, uh, was it Dougal? I think his name was the 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 uh, Drooper. Drooper. Sorry, I'm drawing. Yeah, like, yeah Drooper and the lion. Yeah, yeah. Drooper. Um, yeah. He, Drooper's he, my favorite. He uh he he takes the guitar and like trips. Um, uh, Stevie or whatever his yes. name is. Um, off the thing, he goes, that looked intentional, but he would never hurt anyone. And they're like, oh, you know, it's just a part of the bit. It's kayfabe, right? And he's like, I don't know, man. He he hit that X button for doubt real quick. <laughs> he's like, something's fucking going on here. X to doubt. <laughs> but like, and um, I, oh, go I, ahead. Uh... I just I I. There was there was a lot of like weirdness around like him being just like absolutely shit faced. Plus like the guy who was doing like IT for them had like the biggest like mad scientist vibes. He puts the line of coding the show must go on and it literally fucking was like the most audible moment of you fucked up. Uh when the producer fucking said it and they looked over and he was like in the recharge station. Cause like at that point in time, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's the trigger thing. I never really understood though throughout the process of the movie how the other banana splits kind of like yeah. psycho because like it made sense for him. He had like corrupt programming in the same way like Chucky would or something like that. Um, for the new iteration of Chucky, he was like a like a maliciously programmed yeah. uh, toy. So, like, that made sense. I never really understood, like, how the rest of them turned, like, violent. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the only thing. But I, I, I definitely would have, if, like, I was, like, running a show and, like, I saw him, like, slapstick all that stuff together. I'd be like, yeah, maybe it's time we invest in a new IT guy. Maybe get one who's, like, better at cable management stuff like that yeah that's actually a good point you bring up because uh, i'll get on three parts of that one is the whole setup of the sh- of the even the audience and even the the stage it looks kind of like dark but then you get behind the scenes and it looks very very just grim uh, both just in the actual like the hallways the runways it looks very dark lit um the way people are interacting with each other but then when you get to where the the person who's responsible for the coding, his name's Carl, he's the worker of the studio who oversees the four animatronics of Legal, Bingo, Drooper, and Snorky, and was the one who put in that code of uh, the show must go on. And it just this guy looks like he's in like Freddy Krueger's boiler room or something like that. Yeah, like I the mean, fuck, it, they they put him in the dungeon. Exactly. That's exactly what it looked like. It was the by far like the the most darkest scenario like scene that they could have put them in, uh, or setting in the movie. But it's just the whole encompassing of everything from the time they get on set. You can just see like it just gets a little bit. The whole 
setting of it is just darker and darker than when you get to that. It's just horrible. I, I, I as a parent, like, or as somebody who would be a parent, um, I, I, I tend to look at it this way. Pulling even into the lot for the show, if you look around when they first get there and they're talking to the security guy or whatever, if you see, like, the entire grounds around the studio lot, it is all dead, patchy, nasty grass. So that should have been your first sign that things were not on the up and up and maybe you shouldn't bring your kid there. And I was just like, why, why? Like, why, why, why is this like such a popular show and like it being so poorly maintained? And then like the IT, like the, the, the way that the IT guy programmed them and it just, it went sour. I'm just like, that this would have been solved with like one geek squad visit or something. I know they don't do much, but like <laughs> they probably would have done a better job than this guy did. He was like my like plot hole of this thing like he was just he was the one badly written character yeah my my only gripe with this movie is how they went haywire because of the line of coding of the show must go on though that was kind of a little it only affected trooper because he was when it was plugged in and then suddenly the rest were all like psycho robots and i'm like i don't understand how that worked (laughs) i thought that that was a weak like way to set up them going psycho you could have done a better job like even if you had like drooper like change the coding for the other ones or maybe the inept it guy continues to be inept and doesn't realize the coding's messed up so he upgrades the four before the meet and greet um that that would have like filled up that plot hole a lot better because that was like there's no explanation as to why the rest turns like go, and it just it bugged the hell out of me. But also, how, why do they start? Uh, why does that trigger them to just start killing people? And like, how do they know to kill people? <laughs> because the show must go on. You have to stop. <laughs> like it's like in the uh, like RoboCop. You got to stop all the bad people, and oh, yeah, all there's... adults are bad people in the show. There's no shades of gray also with with like computers like they think in binary. So ones and zeros, yes or no. So uh, a lot of the people who did die in this movie were actually breaking the rules like, yeah, uh, they were uh, with uh, Tad dying or uh, Tad dying. uh, He wasn't supposed to have a phone backstage. They told him not to. Um, and the banana splits knew this because they were outside. They were driving the car around the lot. Yep. Um, so they, they knew that that was a rule that wasn't supposed to be broken. Um, you know, they took, they took out like the fucking stepdad. They like ran a uh, snorky ran his ass over for the exact yeah. same reason. Plus like he saw how he was treating the kids. But <laughs> one thing we didn't like, uh, Mitch is like, uh, why the hell would you let, let uh, animatronics drive a car? <laughs> That's like the first rule. It's like that, that just you know screams this is gonna be bad. Smart hey, that's that's the future, man. It's like uh, we're uh, like what's the total recall? Yeah, you know, this, we're, that's where we're going, AIs, man. They're gonna go high. Yeah, we, we we already we already have those uh, those self-driving cars like Teslas, so. I mean, that can easily be explained by something that Disney can do with their Imagineers, I guess. I, I'm, 
I'm just saying, would you want a Tesla or would you want Snorky driving you? I think I probably would rather have Snorky driving you because, I mean, at least you'd be, be in the down. carpool lane. I'd be down for Snorky driving me around. Listen, I, I would take Snorky driving me around because it's not Elon Musk. I don't want to give Elon Musk money, but, I mean, I will have to eventually if I want a Tesla. Can you imagine how rad it would be to drive around with Snorky? I mean, nobody would mess with you because nobody would like, fuck with you. Why the fuck is he driving around with the giant like animatronic elephant like driving him? Like there, there's some clearly some screws missing there. Yeah. So um, as we as we like to do, but go off on uh, talk about like tangents, especially I do because I don't know how I'm so long winded. Um, I'm trying to remember where we're at. Oh, we're basically during the show. A lot of things are happening. So, essentially, they find out the show's being canceled. And when I say they, I'm talking about the actual Banana Splits gang. Um, while um, Bingo is getting a software malfunction, Snorky kidnaps Andy. Um, who Andy is the, the programmer, and we think he actually—I honestly thought he got killed off screen, but he ends up being kidnapped. But after the show's over and they're barring to the meet and greets, Jupiter kills Stevie, the only guy in the show, with by putting a lollipop down his throat, which was as soon as I saw this kill, I was like, I it triggered. I was like in my mind, like this is a, gonna be a very gruesome um, movie because as he shoves this massive major lollipop down his throat, you just see blood just coming squared out of his mouth. Yeah, whenever, whenever they killed Stevie, uh, I had my initial doubts about the movie. But when Stevie died and I saw how the scene played out, I was like, okay, this is gonna be a fun film. Oh yeah, the 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 producer was the part like when they first like snatch him. Um, I was kind of like, oh god, he's gonna have an off-screen death. It's gonna be like the PG thirteen kind of like horror movies. Where like like dead bodies are there, but like they don't show the actual death. Um, kind of like the last few Friday the Thirteenth movies. Um, but like, like Jennifer's body has some off-screen deaths too. I was just like, I was just like, oh man, it's gonna be like that. And then I saw the lollipop death, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so great. Like the practical effects of it looked really cool. Um. And I liked when it was stuck in his throat. Like, I guess, you know, he would be gasping for air and stuff or whatever, you know, kind of drowning on his own blood or whatever. But, like, it suctioned the the, the lollipop. So, like, when they rolled him out um, later in the movie or whatever, you can see the full circle and, like, the, the ridges of the lollipop in his throat. And I'm just like, that is such, like, creative, like, attention to detail for like practical effects. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so as um one of the things with it also when this is happening, Mitch, the dickhead stepfather as like now I'm referring to him as, he's outside on his phone and he gets um met by his wife, Beth, and she discovers that um, he's having an affair on her with uh, a woman named Kara. And while it's happening, they also have a conversation with Austin. And essentially, Mitch runs into 
Sal, after this happens, they kind of go separate ways. Mitch goes to where Sal's in, like, the security box office and tries to get his attention as he's been running. And he taps on Sal's shoulder and realizes that Sal's been decapitated. And his head falls into his head falls into his hands. And then he gets run over by Snorky. Yeah, uh, I was a little worried at first whenever he he caught the head and then he gets hit by the car because I was thinking, ah, oh, damn it. So that's how the the dickhead's gonna die. Like I, I was like, okay, I, I was like, I was like, I was like, okay, I guess I, I'm glad he's dead, but I wanted him to have a better death. But I'm glad to say that he didn't die there. See, I'm I was the opposite. Like I. I I didn't like the fact that he like survived Snorky running him over because it, Snorky running him over was like chef's kiss. Like if he went out that way, like to me, I felt like that would have been like sweet karmic justice. I wouldn't even hated Snorky for that because like he was that big of a douchebag. Um, and when they brought them back at first, I was kind of like, uh, they shouldn't have brought him back. But then, like, she punches him in the face. And it's like, I want a divorce. Yeah. That was great. But, I mean, it, it, it definitely would have been poetic justice, as you said, because Snorky is his son's favorite character. Snorky, Snorky looks out for him, man. Snorky's got his back. So as this, um, after that, we come back into the studio and Poppy and Thad are, are walking around the studio and they run into, essentially it's like behind the scenes where they keep the different sets and they see like the magic setup, they see the circus part and what's happening is they're now live streaming and that on, I believe it's basically like the fictional Instagram that and that proposes marriage to Poppy and she accepts, and they're all celebrating. When this happens, um, Fleagle see, uh, sees them and sees them have a phone and tells them they're not supposed to have a phone. He takes a phone and he breaks it. And after he breaks the phone, he traps um, Thad into basically like a magician's uh, table that's used to like saw people in half. And he starts like pushing a saw through his body, and then gets Poppy to like finish pushing, pushing the saw through his body, and then takes the saw and then like all of a sudden like opens the box and that is legit cut in half and his, it, he's completely like his insides are fucking falling out. It was like I was like holy shit, this is a dude. I mean that gruesome that went from like six to fucking thirty five on my list. Yeah, this easily my favorite kill of the movie, and dude, Flegel does not fuck around. He is sadistic. He's a sadistic fucker. But <laughs> this kill, but whenever they move the thing around, and you see like Fad's like guts and and everything hanging out, I was like, holy shit. Okay, I definitely love this movie. <laughs> yeah, they they were definitely reaching for that rated R rating. Oh yeah. Um. And as this is happening, the other thing with this movie is it, there's nothing wrong with it as it's happening in Lifetime, but it's hard to explain because it's, it essentially seems like three scenes at once happening. But Harley and Zoe, they're looking for Snarky. So then Flegel leaves Poppy like by her mutilated, cut in half, uh, 
intestines falling out, uh, I guess, deceased fiance now. And, um, and she's crying, sobbing. Spiegel goes looking for Harley and Zoe because of hearing them call for Snarky. At the same time, we come back to Jonathan and the young performer Parker that looking for essentially a producer or somebody so they can make the daughter Parker a star. They run to Rebecca and says, oh, I need to talk to you. And starts doing a dance number. And I can't remember the song, but it's a rap song. And they essentially say, you know, shuts it down, tells them that the show's canceled and that they need be. And Andy told them that the show's canceled, which also Paige, the hostess is there. She just learns about it. Jonathan takes off. And essentially, I can't remember if he was by himself or Parker was with him, but they go looking for Andy and they run into Drooper and Drooper grabs essentially an aerosol can and a lighter and burns Jonathan's face. <laughs> now I will say like why I did like the 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 type of kill. The guy's acting in that scene was horrible. And like the CGI effect of the flame on his face was really bad. Dude, thank you. That flame was fucking terrible. I was like, like okay, that flame's fake as fuck. <laughs> Only time I had seen a worse flame effect was watching Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like that one flame <laughs> scene outside the castle. Kyle knows it. We, yeah. we talk, talked about it on that on that episode. It was it was it was rough. It's tough when you do so. Like anytime you do anything that's an effect, especially with death. I think it's one of those things where like, let's see what it looks like or think it's going to look like and realize if it's like, it's going to be a good idea. I could see why they did it because essentially he didn't die when he got hit with the fire. He was still alive. Um, because of, for the, for a certain time period, he's still going to be alive, but I mean, he's not he's going to like shock, shit. but like it wouldn't be hot enough to like actually kill him. Yeah. And, um, and essentially what happens is after this, this happens, uh, Harley, Zoe, and then Parker, they're all trapped by Bingo, um, or they're they're trapped by Harley, I believe, inside of a cage. And the remaining survivors, they end up seeing, like, Jonathan's, like, you know, fucked up, and they realize that what's happening with the damn uh, Banana Splits game and what they're doing. And they, uh, Paige finds that all the phones have either been destroyed or somehow disconnected. Uh, and so they're trying to find a way to get out. And... But yeah, like, it's just, I think with that type of effect, though, it's just, I don't know what else they could have done. Like, I don't know if, like, beat the shit out of them or slap them or, I don't know what it is, but they, I just think they should have done something different. Because if it doesn't look good, like, why do it? Again, I don't work in Hollywood, but that's just, from a consumer perspective, I think they could have done something different. They could have, like, given, an, given him, like, a pie in the face and, like, maybe the, the, the pie had, like, chemicals and... It, it burned his eyes or something. It would have fit a lot better. Um, yeah, I could see that too. I mean, I, I agree. Because they do, they um, do another kill later in the movie that is like too similar to that one. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and we're, and, we're, and I think we're about to get to there. So as as the kids are kidnapped, 
uh, Bingo finds, um, sees Beth, and Beth is able to defeat uh, Bingo uh, and beat him. And then her and Austin find Poppy and convince like Poppy to come with them. And as, as this way, one thing they say is as all this is happening, is like another scene's happening at the same time, is then um, Flegel gets Rebecca and they makes Rebecca and Jonathan, who had his face burnt, participate in the obstacle course that we saw earlier in the show. And John and Flegel stabs Jonathan in the back with a key. And this was like really also gruesome because I could have swore I saw like his spinal column. Yeah, yeah, you do you do see his vertebrae in there. And I was just like, oh god, that was just it's one of the things that just gives me a cringe. And so um Rebecca ends up like diving into like a pit of balloons thinking she wins this obstacle course, and Drooper smashes her in the face with a fucking hammer. Like it was it's a mallet and like she she goes like, oh wait, hammer, and the hammer comes down and she falls and all of a sudden you see like her face looks completely like distorted. Dude, Drooper is this is why Drooper's my favorite one. He just like he's so cool about the kills and he just like walks around and he sings that song that tra la 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 and he always like says some sarcastic bullshit before he kills somebody. He's so doofy too. It's like if Goofy snapped, you know, you would laugh that's, at him, but yeah. you'd also be terrified. That's basically what he was. He was basically d- demonic Goofy. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, it's weird because you—they sound like you know they're harmless cartoon characters, but yet they're vicious killing machines in this movie. And I think that's like it's the it's like the irony of it. It's like these should be friends, and they're killing everybody. Um, Harley, Zoe, and Parker, as they're, they end up meeting the creator, as I mentioned earlier, Carl, Carl, who's oversees them, and it says that he can, he considers what's happening justified because they canceled the show. Um, when this happens, Drooper ends up bringing Bingo in for a repair, and they ended up, um, distracting Carl to get them free, and they end up locking Carl in Excel. And the way they do that is, I, it looks like a, um, to me, it looked like a, fire pit poke and they like burn this like uh harley burns carl in the forehead with it and they shove him into the thing and lock him in there they like had the dead ass like fucking smacked him in the middle of the forehead with that stick i would that was one of the parts that made me absolutely love zoe because she was like dead ass trying to pick that lock like she came fucking prepared she was gonna macgyver her way out of that situation and nobody was gonna stop her from it she like knew the fuck was a it was great. No, I agree. I mean, she, I think that was like the one thing for me with the kids is like, instead of acting helpless, they're trying to get help and be helpful. I think, as you said, I mean, it, to me, it was a very unique uh, perspective because you don't see that a lot with kids. Yeah. Uh, like, the only other time I felt like I saw this was in the, Ch- the Child's Play remake. Yeah, yeah. These kids were fucking amazing man they they handled themselves well under this situation i mean if i was there if i was in their shoes i would have been shitting myself i would have been the kid who got too scared from seeing them in person and cried so they had to leave the show early so i would have survived right then and there 
so as the kids they're on their they're on their way out, um, they run into Snarky and Harley convinces Snarky to help them by doing the dance. And so Snarky's coming with them. Um, while this is happening, we still have the survivors of Beth, Austin, you know, the mother and and half brother of Harley, uh, Paige, the assistant, and Poppy, who's still a survivor. They arrive at the workshop and they ask Carl how to stop the banana splits. Um, doesn't want to help them, but they um, there's they hear the noise and they decide to go find the kids. Um, Poppy stays behind and notices that there is a costume for a unused fifth banana split called Hootie. And then when this happened, when she sees the Poppy like loses her mind because obviously the, she's devastated. She lost who she thinks the love of her life. She puts the costume on. And it has like this, like essentially like a Freddy Krueger glove. She opens uh, the gate that was essentially that trapped um, Carl in, and um, which is an off-screen death, and which I'm assuming slashes Carl's neck open and gives revenge for the um, death of her fiance Thad. So like my like, my my thing about Hootie is like I thought it was kind of cool that like they. They they like introduced something that was like maybe something that was floated around back in the day, but like based off of those claws that fucking the outfit had, how can you not think that this guy was trying to make these things to kill people? Like who puts a Freddy the Krueger, you know Freddy Krueger glove on like what is supposed to be in a lovable, approachable children's character? Like did they did they did he show them the costume and they're like yeah we're gonna pass on that one you can make the rest of them they're cute and cuddly but let's put away the razor sharp claws and he was like I guess like it it made no sense to me like and they would be sharp enough to like shred through somebody like that yeah it was I mean for me it was weird because it com it completely is the opposite of what the other four characters are. I mean, we're talking about they look like Yogi the Bear. They look like something you would see at Chuck E. Cheese. And what she has is essentially it's pure metal. I mean, it looks like it was welded inside of like a um, like Forge in a Fire episode. And um, I the only thing I can think of was like maybe this was like the parts that were like like the hand, the claw was like before they decided to because for me it looked like an owl. So I was like maybe this is gonna be like an owl. And they're gonna like. Uh, you know that the helmet was like the top part, but the glove was like before they put fur on it. That's literally my guess, but it that it, the, there was a disconnect with that though. Kyle, uh, what did you think, Kyle? Yeah, I thought the the hoodie thing costume was a little odd, and definitely the the claws were. I was like, okay, this is a little weird to have on a children's animatronic. Yeah, um, but so now Poppy's on her own as a complete insane look, uh, claw killer now. Um, to me, this was kind of, I don't say it's funny, it's funny, that term a lot, to me this is funny, but it's kind of interesting that this was like, this was like her Harley Quinn moment. Like, this was, like, when, like, Dr. Harleen Quinzel becomes, like, Harley Quinn. Like, this is when Poppy becomes Hootie. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. And honestly, I was hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, 
if we do end up getting a sequel sometime in the future, that that Poppy does return as Hootie. I want her yeah, to. I, I want. I want her to reprogram them, like like further, like program them to be like killing people. But I want her to be like so messed up in the head that she actually is convinced she's one of the banana splits. Because yeah. I feel like it would add like a whole new range to like the terror that brings with it. Because you can go a lot darker with the second one than I feel like you did with the first one. No, I agree. Um, so after this happens, we st- what is left of Beth, Austin, and Paige, they go into an underground passage and they see completely covered in dead bodies, which is essentially all the parents, all these, uh, the adult studio staff, and Paige's assistant, Doug. Um, and they basically figure out that they are keeping the kids alive because the show must go on. And that's what the show was made for, is kids. Um, they ended up discovering that Flegel and Jupiter are holding the kids hostage. Um, they're essentially chained to a, a benches, and they're doing a show in front of the kids. Um, they ended up burning Steve, Stevie's corpse. They still have Stevie's corpse, and they end up burning it. And the other thing is it's time for the like essentially the end of the show. And when the show is happening, they have like a wheel and typically lands on rock on, and there's different options. In this case, they have what one of them says, Banana Splits. Well, this is where, for me, where they have Andy, the show's vice president of programming, who canceled them. They have them, like, legitimately crucified on this um, wheel because he is nailed. His hands are nailed to it. His feet are nailed to it. And, I, you know, this, for me, was kind of a shocker because I thought he was an off-screen killer and ended up not being in it. And as they spin the wheel, it lands on... Um, it lands on Banana Split, and we see that Snorky kind of puts the kids of Harley, Zoe, and Parker, like, with everybody else, but gives Harley the keys. And Zoe asks, like, what's Banana Split? And he says, I have no idea what it is. It's always been a rock on. Yeah, and as they, as, as soon as this landed on Banana Split, and they were like, what's the Banana Split? I was like, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, this is probably about to be a pretty awesome kill. You know what it actually what I was thinking that it meant, um, not not to be a little too vulgar. I thought they were gonna split him down the like center from his head to his groin area. Yeah. In, in a similar way, like they did in ter- like that yeah, was the, done in Terrifier. That's what I was thinking. I was expecting something like that, but then they just like rip his arms and his legs off. Yeah. And I, was, I was like, okay, that's a little womp womp for me. I was expecting more. Yeah, if they would have done the terrifier kill, this would have just been Chef's kiss. Even even if like they pulled him apart that way, like if they just like ripped him in half that way, I feel like it would have been cool. That's what I thought they were gonna do. Like I thought they were. I couldn't remember like, going back if it, they. I think they did the feet first. I thought when they ripped the feet off, because again the, the feet were nailed to the nailed to it. I thought like one of the animals was gonna get one foot, the other animals get the other foot, and they were just literally gonna pull them apart. Gonna wishbone him. Yeah. It was surprising though. I was like, uh, during the scene in which he died, I was like, they, like, I felt like they should have left the kill off screen at that point. Not because like I thought like his kill was bad or anything. Like it was, it was a little disappointing. I'll admit, but like, I cringed so hard when they yanked his hands and his feet 
off uh, out of the like nails. They like completely ripped the nail through his hand and his feet. Oh, uh, that made me like squirm so much. And I'm not like usually a squirmy person from that kind of thing. But even I was just like, yeah, that fucking hurts. Like it made it my my wrist started hurting afterwards, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I'm feeling that now. Oh yeah. Um. So as this after that happens, a snorky um the kids unchain and they and we see Parker uh, guides all the kids out. We see Beth and Austin. They're able to um defeat Flegel and Drooper, but then. We end up seeing um, Paige and Zoe along with Harley. They're cornered by Bingo, but then Snorky comes from behind and, like, kind of violently, like, beats the fuck out of Bingo. I mean, ends up ripping out, like, all, like everything from his insides, crushing his head, and finishes him off. And essentially, that's, like, the end of everybody, of Flegel, Jupiter, and Bingo, and the only one was, was Snorky. Well, Snor- Snorky also too died because during the battle with um, the the ape guy, he um, he actually ripped out his heart like Mortal Kombat style. Like that part that he rips out, if you look at it, it's throbbing like a heart. Oh yes, you know you're right because I remember seeing something at the end that I'll get to. But yeah, so all of them are gone. They're completely like dismantled, uh, or so we think. And after they're all dead, they all get out. The police paramedics arrive, and we see a couple of funny things. We see um, Parker tells her mom that she wants to stop acting. Uh, we finally see, during the whole movie, essentially, especially in the beginning, when Austin meets Paige for the first time, like they're flirting, and and Austin and Paige essentially hook up. They kiss, make out. So now they're a couple. Uh, we thought Mitch was alive. He ends up not being, excuse me, we thought Mitch was dead. He ends up not being dead. He's alive. And Beth punches, um, punches the shit out of him and says that she wants a divorce after he's been found cheating on her. And then everybody leaves and Mitch is like there by himself. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, he gets run over by the banana splits car and gets dragged to fuck. And like completely, like I think completely like his whole body just deteriorates in front of my eyes because his whole body just falls, like just splits apart. Oh yeah. He he gets dragged. She dead ass like runs him over and like breaks like his body parts. It was great. And, um, and that's what, I didn't see it at the time. Maybe I missed it. I didn't. I didn't know it was her, but her ends up being Poppy, who's still dressed as Hootie, um, and she's singing the song. And as we see that she in the back has all the dead animals, and we Drama. see that Flegel ends up reactivating, and uh, he his eyes activates to red, and then there's like an evil laugh, and that's the end of the movie. Perfect setup for a sequel. Give us the sequel, please. Yes, Warner Brothers, please give us the sequel. I'm 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 begging you, as one one humble lover of this movie, I I would sit through another one if it meant they get more gorier kills and their body count increases, and there's a fifth member who's just a crazy human being. Like, just give it to me. It, it it's it's what I need. I'm going to be out yeah, here like it's... Dave Batista. Give it to me. Give me what I want. <laughs> Dude, sit through. Uh, uh, they don't have to force me to sit through this. I'm, a, I'm probably going to fucking buy this movie. <laughs> yeah, this is it's... this is one of the horror movies I have to own. 
Yeah, it's an interesting film because um, the fact that it was made, like it's made for home release, as we said earlier, it was it debuted um, at San Diego Comic Con, um, and then it was all released through digital and then DVD sales. And one of the things I looked up is approximately um, based on DVD and home media sales. This isn't for streaming, which would probably be a lot higher because. I can only speak for myself. I do everything streaming now. Like I don't buy any DVDs or Blu-rays for, um, because then all of a sudden everybody thinks I'm the fucking last blockbuster in my town and wants to borrow from me. So I said, no oh, hell with that. Everything I own everything online because I never get my movies back. Uh, but they made like two hundred eighty thousand dollars. So the question is, is how profitable was the first one, which would allow for a second one. Um, like I said, I thought it was done well in the sense that I think it's an enjoyable film. I think it is definitely warranted a sequel if they wanted to make one. I think that people would like a sequel. Um, one of the things like that we'll talk about is going to re- reviews. It's a very interesting thing because it had a lot of positive reviews, but not as positive as I thought it would be. Because when I went through looking, for example, like Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 19 reviews. Um, it had a 63% tomato meter and an audience score of 50%. And for me, I thought that was, like, kind of low. I thought it would be probably closer to, like, 70. I mean, there's, that's that's the unfortunateness, though, of, like, looking at ratings and, like, looking at horror movies. Because a lot of the times, critics and stuff like that, they'll pay in a movie. And it's because they go into it treating it seriously. And, like, this movie's not meant to be taken seriously. If you if you look at the premise alone, rampaging Chuck E. Cheese characters like I know they're their own franchise, but giant animatronics come to life and kill it. That's not a serious like thing. You shouldn't take it any more serious than you would, you know, Krampus or like, uh, heck, even like Puppet Master. You know, something like cheesy that like it's just it's just, I, I call it good gory fun and if you try to take it too seriously try to scrutinize it obviously you're going to find problems this movie is not without fault like I said there are there, there are plot holes um, you know some some very few spots I consider lazy writing um, but you're 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 just you're just not setting yourself up to have a good time with this movie. Like you have to go into this movie going, okay, if it's gonna be like Five Nights at Freddy's, it's gonna be over the top. The kills are gonna be kind of over the top too. Uh, you know, the the story may not be. I'm surprised, like, as far as like being treated like in the same echelon as like Sharknado, because while Sharknado is meme worthy, that movie is fucking hard to watch. It is the the dialogue is bad. We just watch it for the kills. Um, this movie had good story. Like the characters were likable. Like I don't I don't know why they would pan something like that. Um. Well, let me. I think you know now is a good point. Um, if we want to go into our review and give our final thoughts. Um, Kyle, I was thinking since it's named Banana Splits, we'd say Banana Splits would be our rating out of five. What do you think? 
I love it. Let's do it. Um, did you want to? Um, who wants to go first? Well, since Teddy's the guest, let's let Teddy go first. Uh, okay. I would say four and a half banana splits out of five. I absolutely loved this movie. I was a fan of the business what's growing up. Uh, final thoughts. Give me what I want, Warner Brothers. Give me the goddamn sequel. Just make it as, as over the top. Make it as gory up the body count. Like, use the story you've already set up for yourself. Just, like, give it to me, please. Yeah, and uh, to go off of uh, Teddy... Uh... It's hard. It's like, man, it's like, I, I can't ignore the faults in this movie. Uh, so I can't give it a perfect score like I had wanted to be. But the kills in this movie, the characters, I mean, this movie made kids uh, likable in horror. Like, these kids are really fucking good. Uh, and just, just overall, just all the fun I had in this movie, I'm going to give it four banana splits out of five. And uh, as Teddy said, you know, give the people what they want. And by people, I mean just me and Teddy. I mean, we'll 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 literally rent out a fucking theater just to watch this. Uh, this oh movie. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> there, there, just there's, me and Teddy. <laughs> a, there's a Cinemark at um, Universal Studios that that rents out their theaters. We'll yeah. Pop in that movie and just. Watch it. CC would be there because you know. Yeah, of course. CC was trying to. The the funny part is like when I started watching this, CC was trying to do her homework, <laughs> and she stopped doing her homework because she got so invested in the movie. Dude, dude, speaking of CC, and, and I, I'm glad you brought her up because I was, I was just thought of this uh this thing that I didn't think about while I was watching until just now. Do you know how awesome this would be as a house at HHN? Oh, it would be great. Like it would, it would fit, it would fit to a T because yeah. like, um, uh, for not a lot of people that understand what uh, he's talking about necessarily, he's actually referring to Halloween Horror Nights, which is the yearly premiere horror event in uh, Orlando. Um, it's run at the Universal Studios. Um. And they do scare scare houses, scare zones, uh, stuff like that. So it would fit because a lot of the houses that they host are out of uh, like mock sound stages and like mock movie lots. So you can go to like say a studio like ten or something like that. So it would fit the entire facade of the banana splits if you actually did that. I think that they'll probably pick up Five Nights at Freddy's before they would pick up the banana splits, but if they don't get the rights to Five Nights at Freddy's, I could definitely see them pulling in the banana splits because it would not be super hard in any way, shape, or form for them to go to Cartoon Network and be like, hey, we know you have the rights to Hanna-Barbera stuff with Boomerang. Uh, just let us use this for this house. I'm sure Cartoon Network wouldn't say no. So, like, I feel like that would be a lot easier than getting Five Nights at Freddy's for the rights. Seriously, if any HHN uh, people who know people are listening to this, let's make this happen. It, it, even if it's just me and Teddy going back and forth through the house, Listen, we'll we can do it. We, we, can, we can tweet at, uh, at Halloween Horror Nights. They're a very active uh, Twitter. 
just keep messaging them over and over again, but like, hey, I want to see the banana splits at Halloween Horror Nights. I'm sure, I'm sure eventually they'll be like, oh my god, please, even just to get them to stop talking, let's do this house, because apparently they keep harassing us. Okay, I, I'm going to start this campaign. <laughs> Bring banana splits to HHN. Let's do it. Give them let's let's do it. All right. And, uh, uh, JR, give us your thoughts. Well, for me, um, first I want to give a shout out because I love content creators. It's um, I enjoy what we do, and when I see people who really, um, you know, it's it's a labor of love. Like we do this because we have fun, but it's work. But there's also people who put in a lot of work into it. Um, one of the guys is that I really enjoy watching him, and I, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have watched it. And that's James Ajaji from Dead Meat. Um, he's the one that reviewed it, and there's some films he watched where it was like, there's no way I would watch that review. Like after that review, I would never ever watch that film. And then after watching, you know, the one he did, Banana Splits, I so I got the idea. So I really want to give him a shout out uh, on YouTube. Um, he's a, I, I love him. I think he's amazing. And with that said, for me, I'm, I'm gonna give it a four because while there is some, you know, relatively big plot holes in the sense of like, why did they, why did all of them not get you know, how did all of them get like possessed or how did this work out this way? I think the acting was great, especially with kids. I just sometimes with kids, especially in horror, it is, does not work. And these kids, uh, Zoe and Harley, I think did a great job. Um, I thought the kills were freaking insane. I mean, for something, you know, something that's like direct to direct to digital, like the way this was, um, I don't want to know what kind of like their their production value was, and then also the sets were great. They, I think they did a tremendous job. And while I think you know once if they did tie in those plot holes, it'd be a five. But it's something that's definitely if you realize you know that you're going in, you're gonna see a, you know a fun thing, you're gonna enjoy it. And I think people will enjoy it if you know that going in. If you're expecting like this is gonna be you know like the second coming of the 1988 Child's Play, like it's not that's not where you're gonna watch. If you're expecting something that's going to be like a campy horror film that's going to have some badass kills, you're going to have a great time. So um, that's why I give it four out, four out of five banana splits. But um, I, I just want to say thank you, uh, Teddy, for joining us. Like we said, this kind of came together at the last minute, but I always love bringing, you know, I tell Kyle all the time, I love bringing extra people because I'm sure that our listeners are get tired of, of listening to me. So thank you, Teddy, for joining us. It was great having you. I, I did get a chance to be with you when you did uh, Rap Sugar Jack to do a previous issue. So uh, it was great working with you, Teddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, real quick, I, I, I just want to throw this little fact out there. Because um, I was I was trying to look up what to see what the budget of this movie was. Um, and I actually f- uh, landed on this little bit of information. Apparently... Patrick Stump from Fallout Boy composed the score for the film, and he even did a version of the Banana Split theme song. And okay, I, gotta find this. I now have to look this up because, I mean, I I love Fallout Boy, so I'm I feel like oh wait, it was an estimated. That's how much it made. Sorry, I was like oh yeah, I see it. I, I see how much they made here, but I don't see like what their budget was. Well, um, the fact that it was made for TV or made for like home release, I feel like their budget wasn't the best, but they, I mean, they definitely profited off of it. For me, if you've ever seen anything on sci-fi 
in the sense of like I've seen Mega like the one I remember specifically. I think I had it on DVD. It's Mega Fault, but it's like about massive earthquake, Sharknado. This movie blows those other movies out of the water. Like it ain't even close as far as like the production value and like the acting. Um, His was actually shown on Sapa. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was right for during Christmas. I would see Christmas, not Christmas time. I'm crazy during Halloween time. It's our Christmas, Halloween time. Um, but yeah, of October. But so it had like a few about I believe between August and September. You know, it had that lead run of being dark to digital before it made it to TV on Sci-Fi. But um, since uh, I since we're like in the moment and. Uh, I didn't even tell Kyle this. Kyle, since if you don't mind, I, I want to try leading us out for the, this week, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, no problem. So, uh, Teddy, before we leave, do you have any plugs you'd like to give? Um, so normally, I mean, I just, it's the same plug. Uh, if you guys are interested in League of Legends and Team Fight Tactics, as well as World of Warcraft Classic, um, I recommend if you guys would pop over to my uh, Twitch stream. Uh, that is at Zell89. Uh, that's Zell with a Z like zebra. Also, um, I also want to give out a uh, shout out actually to my wife, Cece, because she herself um, just the other day started her own Twitch channel. And she's kind of wanting to work towards uh, eventually becoming an affiliate with Twitch as well. That way she can monetize her channel. So please also go give a check out to CC's Twitch, which is CCTron. Um, and the O in Tron is replaced with a zero. So it's CCTR0N. Yeah, and... Uh... Yes, we... A piggy bank off of uh, Teddy, like once, uh, definitely check out Teddy's, uh, Teddy's Twitch and CC's Twitch, as well as the Scream Queens themselves that are part of the Slashcast Podcast Network. And um, as always, make sure you check out all of the shows on the pat on the network. We love all of them, and you can find a list of every one of them at slashingcasts uh, dot network. Yes, and I would also um, like to thank our um, our AV, our editor, our the man behind uh, us, uh, one of our, our third trio of TTM. Um, if you know, you know what TTM means. It's it's, it's going to be a thing soon, right, Kyle? Oh yes, yeah. shout out to TTM. <laughs> but um, that is uh, Carmen Michael Childers. He's on Twitter at at Carmen M Childers. Hit him up for all your AV uh, tech needs. If you never need anything, uh, logos made. He made our new designs for our shirts. So once again, that's uh, Carmen Michael Childers at at on Twitter, Carmen M Childers. You can also find us at Trick or Treaters Podcast at uh, on Twitter at Trick or Treat Pod. We also have our link tree up there just as well. You can find us on our merch page. We have some sweet shirts because of um, Carmen as well as our friend. Um, from Dennis and Carla that helped us with our new logo and our designs. I love all of our designs. We have four of them. And um, between we have Horror and Chill, the Icons of Horror, the Established in 2020, um, Trick or Treaters, as well as our main logo. It's it's great. Um, before we leave, we, uh, due to some issues, this is a, we're going to have a short month. This We're only going to have three episodes um, that we're, Kyle and I are taking this next week off due to a prior commitment. Um, but 
when we see you in two weeks from now, we will be reviewing the film uh, Leprechaun, starring a very young Jennifer Aniston. Uh, it'll be right around St. Patrick's Day. I'm excited about it because I enjoy you can talk about campy horror. I love Warwick Davis as Leprechaun, um, especially the first one, Jennifer Aniston. So I'm looking forward to that. Anything else you want to say, Kyle, before we leave? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Leprechaun as well. Uh, as uh, it, it's a it's a franchise I feel that while yes, it has some awful uh, entries in the in the franchise, it's it, it, it's a fun it's a fun franchise as a whole. It's one that you can put on and just kind of turn your mind off of and enjoy. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so with that, we must bid you adieu. Uh, Good night. Goodbye. Stay creepy. Bang.